<coughs> I believe we left off on um, Yeah, we left off We only did that one hadith last time, right? Wasn't it? We only did the hadith of uh, Kaab ibn Malik yeah. We only did that one though I think we're just at the one right after it No? Huh? The one about zina. I don't think we covered that one. I think I would have remembered. Bismillah. Imran ibn Hussein and Khuzai radiallahu anhuma reported a woman from the tribe of Juhayna came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while she was pregnant from adultery and said to him, O Messenger of Allah, I have committed an offense liable to head. Liable to a prescribed punishment So exact the execution of the sentence The Messenger of Allah وسلم, Called her guardian and said to him Treat her kindly Bring her to me after the delivery of the child That man complied with the orders At last the Prophet وسلم, Commanded to carry out the sentence Her clothes were secured around her And she was stoned The Prophet وسلم, led her funeral prayers Omar said O Messenger of Allah, she committed zina and you have performed funeral prayer for her. He replied, Verily, she made repentance which would suffice for seventy of the people of Al Medina if it is divided among them. Can there be any higher degree of repentance than that she sacrificed her life voluntarily to win the pleasure of God? This hadith is narrated in Muslim. So, uh, I think, <coughs> since we're, this is not narrated for the sake of fiqh. Alright, <laughs> so this is narrated in the chapter on repentance It's not narrated in the chapter of fiqh So we'll leave the discussion on hudud and stuff like that for another time But uh, the point that's, that's being brought out here Is that this, this uh, woman was remorseful for what she did And she turned back to God And, uh, you know, she, so much so that she, she he, The Prophet ﷺ described about her that her repentance would suffice 70 of the people of Medina if it was divided amongst them. Um, as a general rule, uh, the general rule is to uh, not confess one's sins, you know. Um, but again, we don't want to go off too much into a, a tangent. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anh reported that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, if a son of Adam were to own a valley full of gold, he would desire to have two. Nothing can fill his mouth except the earth of the grave. Allah turns with mercy to him who turns to him in repentance. This is a pretty severe hadith, right? Pretty famous one too. That if the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would want another one. This is the way people are. No matter how much they have, they want a little bit more. They want a little bit more. They want a little bit more. And they always think... Huh? Yeah, always one million dollars short. <laughs> always one million dollars short. Yeah, you know, no matter what, it's always just a little bit more. And then when there's a little bit more, it's still not enough. Allah forgive us. He says nothing can fill his mouth except the earth. It's a very powerful image, right? Like the earth, the person is buried in. Nothing can fill their mouth except for that earth. And Allah turns with mercy to those who turn to Him. So it's very simple. You know, turn, turn to Allah, and Allah will turn to you. We turn to Allah, Allah will turn to us, inshaAllah.
And Abu Hurairah radiallahu an reported that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Allah the Exalted smiles at two men, one of them killed the other and both will enter Jannah. The first is killed by the other while he is fighting in the cause of Allah. And thereafter Allah will turn in mercy to the second and guide him to accept Islam and then he dies as a shaheed fighting in the cause of Allah. So what is the scenario? Person A and person B are fighting each other. Person A is on the truth, person B is on falsehood. Person B kills person A. Then after that Allah turns to person B and so that person's heart turns and they make repentance and they turn to the truth and they fight for the truth also and they die too. So both of them then Allah says Allah, Allah the Exalted uh, smiles or Yadhaqullah subhanahu wa ta'ala ila rajulain. that you know that's how would we how how would you translate that Sayyidina or how would you comment on that? Take it. Just leave it as it is? Okay. Chapter three. Babu Sabr. Babu Sabr. Chapter three, the patient chapter of patience and perseverance. Oh man, here we go. Qarallahu ta'ala ya ayunadina amanu spiru wa sabiru wa rabi tu watakullahala alakum tufnihun. Allah said, O you who believe, be patient and strive in patience and keep the fort, like hold down the fort and fear Allah so that you may be successful. Allah said, and we will certainly test you with something from fear and hunger and loss of wealth and life and property or goods or um, what's that other word I'm looking for? Anyways, you get the idea. And give glad tidings to the patient. وَقَالَ تَعَالَىٰ إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ He said, those who are patient, they will receive their reward without any reckoning. وَلَمَنْ صَبَرَ وَغَفَرَ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمِنْ عَزْمٍ أُمُورِ And the one who is patient and forgives, then that is from the most, uh, you know, it's it's like a tough thing to do, it's a, it's a big thing to do. وَقَالَ تَعَالَىٰ إِسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاءِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ that seek aid and patience and prayer, Allah is with those who are patient. And we will uh, we will test you until we know those among we will know the mujahids from amongst you and we will know those who exercise exercise patience. You know, like if there's no if there's no patience and there's no trials and difficulties and there's no mujahid, there's no sabir. There's no person who there people there aren't people who have these ranks if there's nothing for them to go through. Uh, and there are numerous verses of the Quran in uh, talking about the importance of patience. So this is actually my limited reading. I haven't looked at it in a long time, but this is more verses than he usually quotes at the beginning of a section. Abu Malik and Hadith ibn Asim and Ash'ari radiallahu an reported that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Wudu is half of Salah. The utterance of Alhamdulillah fills the scales. The utterance of Subhanallah Alhamdulillah fills the space between the heavens and the earth. And Salah is light. And charity is the proof of faith. And endurance is, is light also, but a different word in Arabic, but they're both light. And the Quran is a plea in your favor or against you. Every person departs, he either ransoms it or puts it into perdition. Cyril, very interesting translation on this one. Khair, and wudu is half of salah. At-tuhur, shatrul iman. 
Shatrul Iman. Tuhur, Shatrul Iman. Purification is half of. Uh, literal translation would be faith, but Iman sometimes refers to Salat. So this is why they translated it that way. Like in Surah Al-Baqarah, when Allah says, after the Qibla was changed, imanakum, That the Qibla was changed from Jerusalem to Mecca, and then Allah says, Allah was not going to make your Iman go to loss. It's referring to the Salat that was to the previous Qibla. So, you know, sometimes it's a legitimate translation. And Alhamdulillah and SubhanAllah and Alhamdulillah, they fill the scales. Every, and they fill everything between the heavens and the earth. Prayer is light and charity is a proof of one's Iman. Charity is a proof because, like, it's really hard sometimes, right? It's really hard to give charity. Um, and sometimes people are uh <coughs> extremely, extremely disciplined in their financial habits. Um, even even when it comes to things, people being in need, and the Quran is a proof for one or against one, and every person goes out every day, and they either selling themselves short or they're freeing themselves from the fire. Basically, It'd be easy translation. And Abu Sa'id al Khudri radiAllahu an reported that certain people of the Ansar asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he gave them. Then they then again then they again asked him and he gave them until all what he possessed it was exhausted possessed 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 was exhausted and then the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whatever wealth i have i will not withhold from you whosoever would be chaste and modest allah will keep him chaste and modest and whosoever would seek self sufficiency allah will make him self sufficient interesting translation uh, and whosoever would be patient Allah will give him patience And no one is granted a gift Better and more comprehensive than patience So this actually may It's like this is the context of someone who um, They're in need But they don't show you that they're in need So that, that's that's what this modesty and chaste This translation here It's effa, it's the same root But that that particular word is used in the context Of one who is poor but they don't uh, you don't actually have any signs that they're poor. Uh, and there's a verse in the Quran about that that I can't recall right now. Um, but it uses the same wording. Um, so the person, then then it says, And whoever seeks to be sufficient, Allah will make them suffi- self sufficient. Allah will make them self sufficient. <laughs> and whoever forces themselves to show patience, Allah will give them patience. And no one is given anything better than the gift of patience. One of the principles that's in this hadith is that when there's a quality that we want, we force ourselves to do it. And in the effort of forcing ourselves to do it, then Allah will open the doors for us to be able to have it. Yes? Uh, the court <coughs> says, whoever seeks to be self-sufficient, Allah will grant them self-sufficiency. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, not self-sufficiency from Allah. But yeah, but like in the... I would un- it seems to me that the context here and the understanding of that is that it's that someone who seeks to be financially independent not dependent on others that they they can stand on their own two feet and so on and they're not in need of other people's help then the uh, one who seeks to do that then Allah will help them to reach that position Does that, could that be related to employment versus entrepreneurship I mean both of them both of them could be means by which one is uh, sufficient, you know. Um, I don't know if it, you know, specifically like 
uh, encourages like entrepreneurship over employment. You know, I'm not I'm not sure that we could make that jump, but uh, you know, the desire to do for oneself is definitely strong. <laughs> I think for most people. Uh, <coughs> Allah help us to do good for ourselves and others. Abu Yahya Suhaib ibn Sinan radiallahu an narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, How wonderful is the case of a believer. There is good for him in everything, and this applies only to a believer. If prosperity attends him, he expresses gratitude to Allah, and that is good for him. And if adversity befalls him, he endures it patiently, and that is good for him. <coughs> also a strange translation here And that is better for him So the first one they translated It's good for him And the second one they translated That is better for him And both of them are فَكَانَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ فَكَانَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ It's good for him You could translate it both ways But it's kind of I don't know if you should translate One the one way and one the other way I don't know I'd have to look at commentaries It just seems a little bit strange Anas radiallahu anhu reported when the last illness of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi made him unconscious, Fatima radiallahu anha exclaimed, Ah, the distress of my dear father. He sallallahu alayhi said, There will be no distress for your father after today. When he died, she said, My father, Allah has called you back and you have responded to his call. O father, garden of Firdos is your abode. O father, we announced to Jibril your death. When he was buried, she said, Are you satisfied now that you put earth over the Messenger of Allah? She's mourning. But yet she's still, like there's a limit to her, to her mourning. <coughs> Um Abiha, Fatima radiallahu anha. Her nickname was Um Abiha, the mother of her father. Like she, she cared for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so much. Yeah. There's a beauty. It, it actually sounds like kind of like Aisha, right? The jealousy of it. It's like she's like in the jealousy of angels with like Jaraz and like Allah, like which is mm-hmm. I mean, Allah, that's very beautiful. It is. Right? Like it's a, I think for the love of a woman, the jealousy has to be there. Out of it's just so nature, natural part. Mm, mm. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's lamenting the loss. Radiallahu anha. Usama ibn Zaid radiallahu anhuma. Usama ibn Zaid radiallahu anhuma. Who's Usama ibn Zaid? Usama ibn Zaid ibn Haritha. Haritha. And his mother is? Mm-hmm. No, good guess though. <laughs> that was Zayd's uh, previous wife. Who was his mother? Umm Ayman, Baraka, the wet nurse of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he was, uh, so he grew up with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam like the way that an Hassan and Hussein did and Zayd and Zaynab. And he used to call him Al-Hib ibn Al-Hib The Beloved who is the son of the Beloved uh, Usama is the Beloved of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam As is Zayd, as is his father So he's the Beloved, the son of the Beloved Radiallahu anhumah He's also the one who did what? The famous story that everyone in the Masajid likes to use When they want to encourage youth work Osama was given to lead the army when he was 18 years old. You never heard that one? That's the one. 
<laughs> and you know, show me an 18-year-old like Usama, and <laughs> we want to like, you know. Usama was given the army when he was 18. We should be letting these kids lead the khutbah. He, he, Omar was in it. Abu Bakr was in the army. Osama was the was the Emir of the army. The Prophet them put him there. Yeah, it's amazing. Osama bin Zaid radiAllahu anhu narrated. That <laughs> but I just, I just think it's funny how we use things for like our own. Osama, who was this beloved, the son of the beloved, who grew up in the hands of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was given the <laughs> head of the army at age 18, growing up in Arabia in the time of the Prophet And then we're like, you know, someone can't read Fatiha. And we're like, no, we have to let them lead Salat. The daughter of the Prophet, he said, he narrated the daughter of the Prophet them sent for him as her child was dying. The daughter of the Prophet them sent for the Prophet as her her child was dying. But the Prophet them returned the messenger and sent her good wishes saying, Whatever Allah takes away or gives belongs to him, and everything with him has a limited fixed term. And so she should be patient and anticipate Allah's reward. Wow. She again sent for him, adjourning him for the sake of Allah to come. The Messenger of Allah accompanied with Sa'd ibn Ubadah, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Ubay ibn Ka'b, Zayd ibn Thabit, and some other men went to see her. These are all like giants of the Sahaba. And the child was lifted up to the Messenger of Allah. <coughs> so, what's interesting about this, right? I think um, most people now, they would read this hadith, they would hear the beginning and they would say, oh my God, it's so cold-hearted. If it wasn't the Prophet them, right? If at least still some people have a little bit of adab, they're like, we can't say these kind of things about the Prophet them. But if they don't say it out loud, a lot of people will read that and be like, oh my God, he didn't even go. Like his daughter asked him to come when his grandchild is dying and he didn't go, you know? So he calls him again and he comes. The child was lifted up to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, while his breath was disturbed in his chest. On seeing that, the eyes of the Prophet وسلم, streamed with tears. So it wasn't that he was just, he didn't care or something. right? His eyes streamed with tears. Saad said, O oh Messenger of Allah, what is this? <laughs> These are people, man. They said, O oh Messenger of Allah, what is this? He replied, It is compassion which Allah has placed in the hearts of his servants. Allah is compassionate only to those among His servants who are compassionate. Another narration: "Fi qulubi man sha'a min ibadihi wa inna ma yarhamullahu min ibadihi al-ruhama." That this is the translation that I already read. This compassion that Allah puts in the people's hearts. Allah only shows compassion to those of His servants who are compassionate. There's a reciprocation there. Okay, we might read a couple more. The next one's very long, but it's a famous one. It's the famous one that you know from Surah Al-Buruj, right? <coughs> the Boy and the King. You guys ever watched that movie? Who's old enough to have watched the movie of Boy and the King? But I don't know. No, nobody watched the Boy and the King. Yeah, they did. Okay, good. Alhamdulillah. These are old school movies. Uh, the good old days. Suhaib reported عن, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, There lived a king before you, and he had a court magician. As the magician grew old, he said to the king, I have grown old, so send me a young boy in order to teach him magic. The king sent him a young boy to serve the purpose, and on his way to the magician, the young boy met a monk to whom he listened to and liked it. 
It became his habit that on his way to the magician, he would seek, he would meet the monk and sit there and would come to the magician late. The magician used to beat him because of his delay. He complained about this to the monk who said to him, When you feel afraid of the magician, say, Members of my family detained me. And when you fear your family, say, The magician detained me. <laughs> okay. It so happened that there came a huge beast. And it blocked the way of the people. And the young boy said, I will know today whether the magician or the monk is better. He picked up a stone and said, O oh Allah, if the way of the monk is dearer to you than the way of the magician, bring about death to the animal so that the people be able to move about freely. He threw that stone at it and killed it, and the people began to move about freely. He then came to the monk and told him the story. The monk said, Son, today you are superior to me. You have come to a stage where I feel that you would be soon put to a trial. And in case you are put to a trial, do not reveal me. That young boy began to heal those born blind and the lepers, and he, in fact, began to cure people from all kinds of illnesses. When a courier of the king who had gone blind heard about him, he came to him with numerous <coughs> gifts and said, If you cure me, all these gifts will be yours. He said, I myself do not cure anyone. It is Allah, the exalted alone, who cures. And if you affirm faith in Allah, I shall also supplicate to Allah to cure you. This courier affirmed his faith in Allah and Allah cured him and came to the king and sat by his side as he used to sit before. The king said, Who restored your eyesight? He said, My lord. Thereupon he said, Do you have another lord besides me? He said, My lord and your lord is Allah. So the king kept torturing him until he revealed the young boy. See how it goes? The young boy was thus summoned and the king said to him, O oh boy, it has been conveyed to me that you have become so proficient in your magic that you cure the blind and the lepers, and you do such and such. Thereupon he said, I do not cure anyone, it is Allah alone who cures. And the king took hold of him and began to torture him until he revealed of the monk. The monk was summoned, and it was said to him, You should turn back from your religion, but he refused. The king sent for a saw, placed it in the middle of his head, and cut him into two parts that fell down. This happens in the other narration, right, when the Prophet on them. Khabab comes to the Prophet Sallallahu He tells him, Ya Rasulullah, we're being tortured and punished by the Meccans and so on. Can you make dua that Allah just destroys them? And the Prophet told him, there are people who came before you. They were threatened to leave their iman and put. they were cut in half and they didn't leave their iman. But you're, but you're rushing the situation. That's what he told Khabab. Khabab was tortured really bad, by the way. Just, you know, and, and he comes to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, I mean like it's just interesting to think about you know the people are being tortured it's not like he of course the Prophet them cares but this is but he's resting in the shade of the Kaaba and Khabab comes to him and this is the conversation that they have you know and uh, eventually of course they they get out of that situation <coughs> Thereupon he said, I do not cure anyone, it is Allah alone who cures. And the king took him. Okay, we did that. Then the courier of the king was brought forward, and it was said to him, Turn back from your religion. He too refused, and the saw was placed in the midst of his head, and he was torn in two parts. Then the boy was sent for, and it was said to him, Turn back from your religion. He refused. The king then handed him over to a group of his couriers and said to them, Take him to such and such mountain. Make him climb up that mountain, and when you reach its peak, ask him to renounce his faith. If he refuses to do so, push him to his death. So they took him and made him climb up the mountain, and he said, O oh Allah, save me from them in any way you like. Allahumma ikfini, ikfini him bimashit, ikfini him bimashit. 
Save me from them with whatever you like. And the mountain began to shake, and they all fell down. And they all died. And then the boy came walking to the king. And the king said, What happened to your companions? What happened to the people that were with you? He said, Allah has saved me from them. He again handed them to some of his couriers and said, Take him and carry him in a boat. And when you reach the middle of the sea, ask him to renounce his religion. If he does not renounce his religion, throw him in. So they took him and he said, Oh Allah, save me from them. You know? Same thing. <coughs> <coughs> The boat turned upside down and they all drowned except the young boy who came walking to the king. The king said to him, What happened to your companions? He said, Allah has saved me from them. And he said to the king, You cannot kill me until you do what I command you to do. The king asked, What is that? He said, Gather all the people in one place and tie me up to the trunk of a tree. Then take an arrow from my quiver and say, With the name of Allah, the Lord of the boy, then shoot me. If you do that, you will be able to kill me. <coughs> The king called the people in an open field and tied the young boy to the trunk of a tree. He took out an arrow from his quiver, fixed in the bow, and said, With the name of Allah, the Lord of the young boy, he then shot the arrow and it hit the boy's temple. The young boy placed his hand upon the temple where the arrow had hit him and died. The people then said, We believe in the Lord of this young boy. The king was told, Do you see what you are afraid of? By Allah it has taken place. All people have believed. The king then commanded the trenches that trenches be dunk, dug and fire lit in them and said, He who would not turn back from this boy's religion, throw him in the fire, or he would be ordered to jump in. They did so till a woman came with her child. She felt hesitant in jumping into the fire. The child said to her, O mother, endure this ideal for you are on the right ordeal for you are on the right path. <coughs> That's the end of the narration. This is a this is one of the babies who spoke in the cradle. They say right, there are a couple of babies that spoke in the cradle. This is one, of and this is the story of Surah Al-Buruj, Ashab Al-Khudud. This is Ashab Al-Khudud that are mentioned in that surah. Anas reported, radiAllahu an, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi them passed by a woman who was crying, crying over a grave, and said, "Fear Allah and be patient." مر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بامرأة تبكي عند قبر فقالت تق الله واصبري فقالت إليك عني فإنك لم تصب بمصيبتي ولم تعرفه she said he said that be fear Allah and be patient to her she said get away from me you have not been afflicted with what I was afflicted with you're not going through what I'm going through right so what did he do he tried to give them advice, and the person didn't take it. They were in too much trauma to be able to take the advice. So they, so she said to him, get away from me. You haven't been afflicted with what I've been afflicted with. And she didn't know who he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She didn't realize it was the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what did he do? He just kept going. <laughs> he didn't stop and be like, you can't tell me to get away. I'm the Prophet of God. I told you to have patience. Taqillah, you're being a bad Muslim. There's no bad Muslim in Arabic. We talked about that one before. The word doesn't, I, I don't know, like, Muslim is Sayyid. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, anyways, he didn't say all that stuff. He just kept going. But later on, when it was said to her, you know, that's the Prophet, so I said, then she came to his door where she found no doorkeeper. You know, she came to see him and she didn't find anyone. That, so she could just come talk to him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She said, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was you. And the Prophet told her, patience is at the first sign of the calamity. Like true sabr is when you, you have it in the moment. That's, that's, when you, that's when you want it. Allah give us that, inshaAllah. I mean.
Um, maybe we'll do one more and then we'll stop because that will be good timing. Abu Hurairah reported the Messenger of Allah said, Allah the Exalted says, I have no reward other than Jannah for a believing slave of mine who remains patient for my sake when I take away his beloved one from among the inhabitants of the world. Uh, that the person who is patient, I take someone they love away from them and they're patient. And uh, and then they, you know, that that person, their reward is paradise. May Allah be gentle with us, and may we be patient in the face of calamities. Um, there's companions who, they took this really seriously, like, to the point where there was one of them who was passing away, and the wife was upset. And he told her, don't worry, because... Allah, and because the Prophet them told us that the person who Allah takes their loved one from them and they're patient over it, then they have no reward except for paradise. And Allah took one of our children and we were patient. So don't worry. The son is deathbed. He's like, don't worry about it. Alhamdulillah, we're okay. And um, <coughs> the Prophet them actually had a play on words with it. It might come later. Um, I forget what it was. But basically. There was a word in Arabic that was used to refer to someone who has lost a child. And the Prophet ﷺ used it to refer to one who has not lost a child. Which is to say like, he was basically saying like, the one who's actually lost is the one who didn't lose a child. Because the one who loses a child, they, have the, they can have patience and so on and so forth, and their reward is paradise. I think for people who, you know, like when you grow up in... If we just go one generation or two generations back, you really see what this means, right? Because people are like, you talk to your grandparents. How many kids did your grandparents have? They had nine. How many miscarriages did they have? They had five. How many children of theirs died? Well, this one died when they were two, and this one died when they were one, and this one died when they were this, and so on. Like, these hadith, they really matter. Practically, not just, I mean, like, the akhirah ruling aside, practically speaking, there's a lot of benefit in them, too. Um... SubhanAllah <coughs> And then of course The children that, that pass away Before they come of age um, it's, uh, The Prophet them said That they, they wait at the gates of paradise For their parents And they refuse to go into paradise Until their parents come And when their parents come They take them, take them by their hand And they take them into paradise And um <coughs> And those children also, in, until the day of judgment, they're in the hadana of Ibrahim salam. They're in the, they're in like, hadana in, in modern Arabic is like the kindergarten, but they're like in the care of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. That the Prophet them saw that. Some narrations say it was in the Isra and Mi'raj that he he saw Ibrahim salam and all of these children, like this old, honorable-looking man and all of these children and stuff. And he said, what is this? He said, this is the Hadana of Ibrahim These are all the children who passed away. They're from the people of Fitra. You know, they're from, they're on, they were on Iman and they passed away. Now they're in Ibrahim's care, salam. So I was just thinking about that recently because I, I was reminded that I have an uncle from my mom's side that's not the Muslim side of my family, right? 
who died basically at birth. So I was just thinking, like, subhanAllah, that uncle, he's in the Hadan of Ibrahim, that's Ajib. <laughs> From a side of the family, that's, that's amazing. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa alayhi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.